Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up to heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Okay, good. good, good. Dave, um, tell me about your understanding of PR, public relations. Yeah. Because I, th this is really in the wheelhouse of the boiling point process that we're going to be... Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I, I would say I have an intuitive understanding, you know, uh, about PR, or, or I feel like I do, and, and I think there's so many ways that it's, you know, good PR is underutilized by, you know, small, medium-sized businesses. And, uh, but I would really love to learn more. I wonder how we do that. I don't know, hmm. man. Oh, I think we have somebody on the line with us. Bonnie could help us. Bonnie! <laughs> Hello! Bonnie! <laughs> so we're just going to throw you right so, into... So, the so, <laughs> so, I, so this could be bad PR or good PR. We're yeah. not sure. But this is, how we, this is how we roll, Bonnie. Like, hand it over to you, Bonnie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but we, 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 we generally try to get a, a decent segue. That was a weak one. But we're really interested. You're a public relations consultant. And you're based, I believe, in Alberta, Calgary. Is that would that be fair? Yeah. Yes. I've I've been uh, working in public relations and communications for over 20 years, and have worked in Vancouver, Edmonton, and now I'm based out of Calgary. Okay. Fantastic. And and what um uh, before we go too deep into uh, into the topics, what sort of companies have you been helping with their public relations? Well, you know, it's interesting because I have about a 50-50 in my consulting practice where I work with um, primarily B2B companies and they can be everything from startups to large energy companies that have operations around the world. And then on the other side of my business, I also like to spend about 50% of my time working with not-for-profits and helping them amplify their message so they can you know, educate the community about important issues like homelessness and poverty mm. and how we can all work together to tackle these tough social issues. Love it. Love it. We're, we, we've we been asking a lot of, um, and this is a really relevant question, especially here, but we've been asking a number of our, our, our last guests, you know, but how they're, you know, if they're, if they're business owners or, or they've got a great story to tell, you know, how do you be heard in this noisy market? What's your perspective on that? How, what, what you know, like, and, and maybe not to the, well, I guess it could be the nonprofits or the small business owner or entrepreneur. What's the strategy? Because there's so much noise out there, but just to be heard in this noisy marketplace. Well, you know, I, I think before you even get to the place where you're pushing out content and, and sharing your messages with the world, you really need to back it up and get strategic about what you're going to say and who you're going to say it to and how you're going to say it. And so I'm a firm believer in you know, taking the time to develop a strategic communications plan. And within that plan, you would have both, you know, public relations tactics, which would include everything from, you know, media relations to writing articles to giving presentations to, you know, all that you can do on social media and then some of your more traditional marketing channels as well, such as advertising, whether it's online or, or with traditional media outlets, 
all of those different pieces need to work together to get your message out there in a really consistent way. And the importance of taking the time to invest in a plan is, is really critical to success. And it doesn't mean that you have to have a huge budget to do that, but you need to be thoughtful and purposeful. And, you know, the other thing I would say is get really clear on who you're talking to and don't try to be everything to everyone, but decide who is most important and influential for your business, customers, employees, Maybe there's a tie to government officials and then think about what you need to say to them and how you're going to say it in the most concise way. Bonnie, with that, you know, um, Mm -hmm. Dave and I have been using the, the expression of, you know, defining your avatar, figuring out who that person, that individual is that your company is speaking to or your, your organization speaking to. Uh, and oftentimes not, it's not a singular answer, but you might have two or three different types of avatars. What would your language be around that? And what, what's some of your, your exercises to really define who the, your minimal viable market is and to help shape your communications and your storytelling? Well, that's a really good question. And so, you know, when you, you look at it from a business perspective, you're going to need to develop some sort of a a profile on who that ideal customer is. And, you know, I think the more traditional brand language is probably, you know, developing their persona. So it's everything from demographic information to what are their habits, what do they like to do, where do they get their information, if you're a consumer brand, how do they shop, where do they shop, what motivates them to shop. So to really get inside their head and figure out what are those triggers and motivations and more importantly what are what are the problems that they have that your business can help solve so again on the consumer side it would be very different than if you're offering a business solution Mm -hmm. but to be able to draw that straight line between you've got a problem and I understand it because I understand who you are and here's how I can help make your life easier my business can help make your life easier and then build your messaging around that. And then, you know, I'm always a strong advocate that we really need to think about the messages that are being um, pushed out internally, whether you have a staff of five or 500 or 5,000, all of those individuals represent your company. And so you need to make sure that that, you know, first and foremost, you have really transparent, authentic communication with them because they are the ones that are representing you in some way, somehow, every single day. When you, um, you know, and I, 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 my guess is a lot of people don't spend the time probably they need to to develop the plan. So sometimes like, you know, even this conversation here, you're saying like, let's slow down first and let's, 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 you know, start by defining you know, who it is that you want to be talking to. It's a good place to start, yeah. right? Because I think I, my sense is sometimes a lot of people get ahead of themselves and, and are out there. And, and I wonder, like, have you, and, and, I'm, and I'm saying this because I, I had an experience, you know, around this, which is, are people sometimes surprised, you think, or organizations surprised uh, when they start to build that that client profile, what we're calling an avatar, that maybe it's a little different than they initially thought? Oh, for you know, for sure. I think that, you know, sometimes what we perceive are our customers' issues are not really what's keeping them up at night. So, you know, one of the, the things that I think is so great about the world that we live in and the way that we communicate now is that through social media, 
it is very easy to get real-time feedback. You know, we don't have to hire a firm to do research or run focus groups, and not that that isn't very valid, but when you're really wanting to know in real time what's going on in the minds of the people that are important to your business, you can ask through social media and get a temperature and get that pulse and then be able to start to create messaging and responses that can address that. One of the other things that I do, and I work with a large a North American company with a, a large sales force, is I'm always asking the sales team, tell me what is keeping your customers up at night. Like, what do they tell you is their number one problem? What is it that they can't solve? And then let's start to think about what our messaging is and how we can create content that can show how we can make that problem go away. Yeah, and that begs the question, um, what sort of channels and what sort of stories are we telling on those channels? And uh, one thing that I've been, I don't want to say struggling with, but I've slipped into is when we're busy uh, as leaders of small organizations, we kind of get into, you know, that, that comfortable groove of finding our channel. So, for example, maybe it's Facebook as an example and not LinkedIn. I'm giving you exactly my profile um, where you get you get great responses. You put a video up, you get thousands and thousands of views on Facebook and you get all these fans and these, these people who really support you, but they're not necessarily your customer base, right? where sharing stories on that platform are of one sort of variety to a specific uh, you know, persona or avatar. But then perhaps there's a, a more specific audience waiting for you on LinkedIn, as an example, or any other one of these different communication streams. How do you help entrepreneurs figure out where to put their t- spend their time creating content? And really, it's I think it's a tough question to answer because... You know, the people who are making decisions in business, they also are floating around on Facebook on their personal lives. So, like, you still can have a good impact on Facebook. As an, I, I know I'm totally, no, no, I'm you, leading this you, this are way. You, are you trying to convince yourself of that? Or no, not? I can't. You know, believe it or not, I, I, I've, I've that, reached my max. Does that sound like it? Like I've reached my max on Facebook. I can't have any more, more growth on my personal Facebook. It won't let me. So, I, I'm now being forced, but it's, I, I'm begrudgingly uh, recognizing that if I'm going to be you know, doing PR on my own, I need to start speaking to the people that need to hear what I have to say. And this is why it's so relevant to what uh, what Bonnie's bringing to the table here. So Bonnie, talk to me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a perfect, con- yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm part of your persona, you know. Uh, I, I'm one of your customer segments. How do I move forward? How do you move forward? So, you know, I think entrepreneurs by nature are very passionate, driven people. And Sometimes you need to put the brakes on and, again, get a, get really focused and strategic. And so my advice would be, you know, every different channel reaches different audiences. So who you're reaching on Facebook, you know, just in broad strokes right now, would be a bit of an older demographic than who you would reach on, on Instagram. So, you know, and then LinkedIn is delivering up that corporate audience, if you have more of a B2B um, service offering. And Twitter is in capturing your media, your influencers, government officials. You know, at a very high level, each of these channels have a very specific 
demographic that is their primary de demographic. So let's get super clear on who is your number one audience, what are their demographics, and then let's get really, really good at pushing that message out through one or two channels that reaches them and then broadening out. Because I think the mistake that we often make when we're excited and passionate about what we're doing is we try to tell the world all at once. And that's not always, you know, that shotgun approach isn't effective very often. Plus, it can, you know, drain your resources. And, and often, you know, small to mid-sized businesses don't have a lot of extra bandwidth of either in terms of time for marketing or resources to help them. So it's about getting really strategic and focused as to who you want to reach. And then let's figure out which platform will help you do that build a lot of momentum, and then start to cross over into other platforms. Does now, that make sense? Oh, 100%. Just to tie into that, like yeah. I, what I, I, was in, I was kind of speaking to it earlier. Where, So I, I own a coaching company, a leadership coaching company, um, Bonnie, and, called Vision Coaching. And uh, actually, we just mm -hmm. we just got LinkedIn, so we, you'd know that. And, and, you know, and originally, we, I, we were speaking to the wrong the wrong segment. We've we started to learn over a number of years. We, we're talking to the HR leader. That's who we want to talk to in corporate world. And who were and, you talking to? Well, we thought we were talking to the leaders themselves. You know, uh, like right. like the, the executive who would you know be buying coaching. And and then it became obvious. No, no, no the, the the budgets are with HR, and so we need to start speaking to them. And we're we've gone through this process where we've started to build out uh, on LinkedIn because we're finding that's that's probably the best place to find them. So I so I'm I, I think I'm really. It's, what you're saying is resonating with me. I mean, we're, and we're in that process of trying to share a better story, craft a better, you know, better messages, you know, track what's happening and what's resonating in terms of content, that sort of thing. So, so I just, so I just, just wanted to chime in there. You had a question. Well, as you're speaking, you, you may, you may hear me typing because I am right now accepting Bonnie Elgie's uh, LinkedIn um, connection. Bam, we are now connected. <laughs> Bonnie, I am so committed now. Moving forward, you're going to be seeing a lot for me. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll be checking up on you. <laughs> um, the other thing that I found really interesting about your background is uh, your relationship with journalists. And, you know, we've, we've got a good friend who's a, a, a former CBC journalist, uh, Deborah, mm -hmm. who um, is now working in the PR and communication space. It is so critical to understand how, how journalists work and what type of stories they want to write about and promote. So any advice you can give us on that? Because it's great when you can create the, the environment for organic story to be told instead of positioning it as a marketing play, but creating something that journalists really want to pick up on. How, how do we approach that? Yeah, so there's a, there's a few things that I would say in relationship to that. I mean, first of all, you need to be really confident that what you have is newsworthy so you know there's certain news values that we evaluate stories around and and timeliness relevance to the audience innovation um, some of those are, are key factors in today's competitive environment for coverage having a new product for example isn't enough we need to be able to show you know maybe through how in a in a pilot group that project has delivered XYZ results. So we have to have some really compelling data that makes it exciting and interesting to report on. So first of all, make sure what you're saying is newsworthy and of interest to the outlets because sometimes, you know, quite honestly, the better choice is to, to publish through your own channels, you know, social media, blogs, websites, that type of thing. But if it meets those fundamental news values, then 
one thing that, that I really encourage people to do is let's make this as easy as possible for a reporter to say yes to this story pitch. And, you know, we need to be really aware of the environment of the newsrooms in Canada right now. And, you know, there's been many, many cutbacks over the last several years. And we don't no longer live in an age where you have these big, robust newsrooms where everybody covers their own beat and they become specialized in, you know, content relating to education or health or government affairs. Like what I am seeing anyways in our market is that you have reporters that are under pressure to see the 24-7 news cycle. They're churning out 11, 12 stories a day under deadline and extreme pressure. So if I can come to them with a great story and I have two or three well-trained and prepped spokespeople that can offer different perspectives of that story and I have Hmm. some awesome diagrams of photos and some compelling video, then it's going to be really hard for them to say no. So I always think about where are they in their day? How can I make this story really appealing to them and you know the other point is think about who their audience is so um, who's watching that tv show what are those demographics who's reading this trade publication or who's reading this magazine and make sure that it's relevant to their audience so you know a a recent example last week i was working on the opening of a 67 million dollar dementia care center here in calgary And so we were very targeted in who we were reaching out to for media coverage, and it it needed to fit in with the demographics of who that would appeal to, right? And so we're very successful, had eight outlets come out and cover the story, but it was because it was the right story for their audience, too. You know, that's a really excellent point, and I think not fully understood how you can leverage the traditional forms of media and and Mm -hmm. recognizing what's happened within those newsrooms like you described mm-hmm. and like in Greg and I both are in our provincial paper uh Telegraph Journal and it's it's a good publication and it's you know it's well read um both paper version and online and it's been really interesting just to see how it's shifted in terms of my as a as a columnist you know at one point I had a, an editor and uh someone who's doing photographs and I, you know this this shifted has changed like the model oh, completely the model's so changed right. yeah. and so so yeah. it became more important to have tighter stories just to to be able to 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 send over and make it really easy yeah. for them to 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 um to to then publish it which is what I want you know and that's my goal I think that's what you're saying is that we have to understand the pressures these people are under because the, the news you know there's a big there's a big shift happening within within In traditional media yeah. you know especially the traditional newspapers Absolutely and you know just to to add to that like even our local newspapers they're really competing with the international media outlets like CNN or NBC or BBC because people can at the touch of a button, you know, consume their news online from anywhere in the world. So um, it's really important to, to um, I think, appreciate what a day in the life of a reporter is like mm. and, and to keep your stories and your pitches and ideas really relevant to that. And you, and you have a background in, in, um, in, as a journalist, do you not? Yes, I, you know, way back in the day when I first started my career, (laughs) um, I was in radio and I did some freelance writing for a number of publications in the Lower Mainland in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. 
And then, um, you know, of course, being on that side of the desk, so to speak, I had a lot of exposure to public relations professionals and being pitched story ideas and that type of thing. And, and I made the leap over, you know, early in my career. I was 25 years old and I decided that, uh, you know, that looks like it was more suited and had a, a number of, of long-term opportunities. I mean, I was already starting to see radio syndication take place and that type of thing. So I just felt like it was going to be a lot more difficult to build a successful career in radio at the time. And so I, I moved over into PR and it's been great. Like there are so many similarities because, you know, you're telling stories and mm-hmm. you're sharing ideas and you're talking to people and asking questions. So, um, it's been great. Well, and one of the things that, that I just wanted to touch on, and, and it would be important for people to know how to find you, is we got to make sure we, we include that. But you, you say, you know, basically what I'm hearing is that is that you don't have to have, you know, a $250,000 budget to have a good PR strategy executed. In fact, you can do it relatively, like it, you can do it in, in, in a way that's going to work with you. Like, so in other words, it's, it's accessible to small business. Would that be, is that what I'm hearing in yeah. this as well? Absolutely. I think the one point I would I'd really like to stress, though, is that sometimes, you know, in, in smaller businesses, marketing gets run off the side of somebody's desk. So we'll have our HR person do it in her spare time or admin assistant can help with this. And and all I would say to that is, you know, you often hire an accountant to help with, with financials, a lawyer to help with legal issues. And I would really encourage businesses to invest in a proper plan, even if they will, you know, manage the execution. It's really important from the get-go to ensure that what you're doing in terms of marketing and public relations is really supporting your overall business goals. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this is something I actually learned a number of years ago from, I think, one of Canada's leading entrepreneurs, Arlene Dickinson, because I had an opportunity to work at Venture Communications for five years with her. And she was really a pioneer, I think, in shifting that mindset that marketing and public relations and everything that you're doing on that side of your business has to ultimately feed into your business goals and be measurable. And I think you only get that when you develop a, a solid plan. And just for people that don't have plans, what would like you have, like what kind of efforts involved in doing that? If they were to hire you and bring you in, like what what's required? When we talk about building a plan, like you know, in a in a in a leadership capacity, you can see people get you can see they get nervous. They're like, oh, what does that mean? Or or is it going to be like one of those strategic planning sessions I went to where we spent all this time and then no one's ever actually gone back to it or whatever? Um, but you're saying something that's tactical that you can you know you can potentially execute on. What is it? What, what's yeah. involved in, in getting something like that together, you think? You know, I, I think it is important to have, you know, the strategic conversations up front. But then the development of an actual plan, it can be scaled to whatever a person's budget is. So if, for example, they're very, very limited on resources, we're going to focus a lot more on content that can be repurposed across a number of different channels as opposed to suggesting, you know, sponsor content or advertising or something that's going to cost, you know, a a substantial amount of money. So I think it's important to have the conversations with the, not only the, the leaders in an organization, but also those individuals that are on the front lines, whether it be with customers or if it's a not for profit, individuals that they're serving. So we can really understand the full landscape 
and then to go away and build a plan. And what I like to deliver back to my clients is here's a month-by-month work-back schedule and calendar of activities. Mm, so on week one, yeah. you're going to do this. On week two, and to build it out in such a way so that you can see how all of these different activities work together um, over the course of a year or 18 months or whatever that time frame needs to be and how they support one another because that's really important. You know, your messages are going out different ways, but they have to be consistent and you have to be seen and representing your brand in the same way, no matter whether it's a tweet on Twitter or it's um, an editorial in a trade publication. There needs to be that consistency. Okay, well, listen, I, I've got one last question for you, Bonnie, and uh, then we're sadly going to have to wrap it up in our in our, our short 25-minute format. Um, but when I'm looking at developing content, and let, let's just use LinkedIn as an example, but any social mm-hmm. platform, really, I am the owner of my company, okay? So obviously, I'm trying to grow the brand of Hemmings House at all times, um, but I'm doing it through the voice uh, and the profile of myself as a person. I look on LinkedIn right now, you know, and I've, I've got a certain amount of activity as a person and almost nothing as the brand, which is obviously something I need to work on. <clears throat> but philosophically, this is probably a good thought leadership question. Should we be developing content through our personal voices or through our brand? Or is it a, a combination of both? Well, I think it's a combination of of both. Um, you know, I I think first and foremost, whatever voice you're using, it has to be really authentic. So, you know, in the case of, of a, a coaching business, I would see you know you are you are the face of your brand, so to speak, right? And and you may have associates and partners that become part of that. But there needs to be that consistency in how you will communicate. And so, for example, um, you know, conversational tone, um, you know, you're, you're experts and you're authoritative, but your information is communicated in an easy to digest and, and conversational way. So I think you can, like I know for myself personally, my, my corporate brand is very similar to how I would communicate if I was sitting across the table from you and we were having a meeting. Mm. And um, so I think, you know, that is part of your overall exercise when you're developing your corporate brand is what do we want our voice to be like? Who do we want to be in that marketplace? But, you know, overall now professional services tend to take a much more engaging conversational tone. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it, it, it completely does. And, well, like, and particularly it, you, I would say. And I think me as well. I mean, because, yeah. you know, like that's, you know, it's, you can't, it's about being authentic, isn't it? Yeah. The feel of a personal voice coming through a brand logo, I think is absolutely critical. And this is everything that Dave and I are studying as, uh, as we do this journey of being the, the co-host of The Boiling Point. It's really trying to figure out how different thought leaders like yourself are being heard in a very noisy marketplace and everything that you're doing uh, in the world and how you're showing up on is, is completely uh, in line with this. So we're really excited that you're able to share some of this with us. And um, I hope that you can, you can come perhaps be a presenter at one of our future events that we have as well, talking about PR. 
Well, I, I want to say thank you to you both for inviting me to be part of, of the podcast today. I was so excited and, and honored to be part of a conversation that I hope will help many entrepreneurs, not only awesome. And how do people reach you if they want to reach out to you and, and, and you know, start with a plan as an example and get or pick your brain sure. or you know, how, do they, how do they find you? Well, they can find me on LinkedIn, just Bonnie, L-G-E-L-G-I-E, or they can go to my website, BonnieLG-PR.com. Incredible. Awesome. Bonnie, thank you so much for spending time with us. It was uh, fantastic to know you, and uh, we will f- certainly be uh, speaking with each other again. Awesome. Have a great day. You okay. too, Bonnie. Take, Take care. care. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.